my enjoyment and enthusiasm has never waned. If anything, it's only gotten more crazy. Maybe that's genetic. I don't know. <laughs> the day I walked into a gym, it was, wow, I'm going to do this until I take my last breath. How's it going, everybody? Tom here from Dad Strong with another episode of our interview show. If it's the first time you're listening, welcome. Really stoked to have you on board. And if you've been listening for a while, really appreciate your support as we grow here and as we try and bring you more and more excellent guests. I think you can agree the guests that we've had lately have been amazing and today's is, is no exception as well. Um, also really, really stoked to be working on our bodies and on our minds and making them strong and most importantly, developing that strong character so we can lead effectively and what has really been on my mind is is loving more actively. And although I've been saying that, I think that making love a verb is very important. And as dads, it's, it's what we do. You know, we love our kids and it's great to have those emotions and to say those words, but it's really our actions that show we love our wives, we sh- that we love our kids. And that includes, you know, getting up early, working out, preparing our minds for the day, taking charge as dads, leading in the household, and then also taking part in the small things, you know, getting involved in the household, household chores, maybe with our wife, supporting them, um, driving our kids around and doing those things or showing our family uh, that we love, love them. And I think summers is also choosing the hard route you know choosing the uncomfortable thing and becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable i think it's very important so that we can really show up in those moments when the shit hits the fan and, and it's not that easy like when your little one and a half year old daughter doesn't want to go to sleep for hours instead of getting angry rather showing up in love but anyway on to our show today really stoked to be bringing you a fellow south african his name is terence mitchell he runs uh, mitchell strength online and he has a uh, 30 days of discipline program which is really awesome um, made for 2020 especially in these COVID times really uh, brilliant to look at workouts that you can look at doing at home he's very much about discipline he's very much about intentionality and he's very much about making the most of your time terence has been working out for years he's as you'll hear you know from the day that he was 14 he walked into a gym and he's never looked back he's really committed to that he really uh, understands the discipline equals freedom uh, equation and how much that has had a role to play in his life and he encourages dads and uh, younger men to all step up and take ownership of their life i really love this conversation it's very wide ranging um he has a lot of great input guys so i really hope you enjoy this podcast and once again thanks for listening Terence, what's up, my man? Tom, thank you for having me, finally. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually very grateful because for some reason I was trying to connect with you and we did connect and then for some reason I didn't confirm and then I looked at my calendar and I was like, I had David Rutherford and then I've got Justin from Mind Pump next week and all of a sudden I realized, hang on, there's, there's the Terence size gap right there so I better get hold of him <laughs> and, hopefully, and hopefully he's cool to do the show <laughs> tomorrow. Of course because- I am. <laughs> and, and thank you for... It's a bit intimidating looking through your previous guests. <laughs> and I'm just little old me from Belito. And I'm very grateful to, to join you on this podcast. And hopefully we, we fire up some men. Yeah, well, I mean, the podcast guest is just amazing. I also think little old me sitting here in Germany, by the way, that's Bavaria. <laughs> I'm trying to emulate the South African bushveld as much as I can here. <laughs> and that's not bad, actually. I, you know, bad. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we got a couple of, actually the other morning I was uh, having a workout. I heard uh, wild pigs because obviously we have wild pigs and we often get deer in the back here as well, but you can't just whip out a gun and, 
and shoot them like our mates in America or, or how it sounds. Yes. Uh, but, um, but it's the same thing for me in the podcast guests. It's just incredible that some of those guys, all those guys would give up their time, you know, to come and get on a of show course. like this and speak to dads. And, and I don't think you're a dad yet, right? No, um, I feel somewhat of an imposter because I'm, I'm not a dad. Yeah. But, you know, there's fundamentals that you and I obviously are going to talk about that, you know, I believe are important for all men from, from the ages of 16 onwards, you know, whether or not they have been gifted with children. And, you yeah. know, and so, yes, as of, as of at the moment, I'm a bachelor and <laughs> I'm not enjoying a dad. It. Looks <laughs> like you're enjoying it. it. My time will come. I need to enjoy life a little bit more. <laughs> How old are you now, bro? I am 37. Okay. So not such a youngster, but looking... But looking no, I'm not... Yeah, I shaved the beard and I, I, I look yeah. a lot younger. But yeah, time, time is, is ticking by and it's, it's pretty cool though. It, it's, I'm finding incredible inspiration from the fact that... You know, I listened to Laird Hamilton. He, he, mm. he spoke on, on, on Joe Rogan's podcast and he said, well, it was a three hour of just bombshells, both of them. Yeah, I can imagine. Just dropping, dropping bombs. And he said something, you know, I'm going to paraphrase him, that the longer you are in the game, you know, when you are 50 or 60, if you are in the game, you are world class. Just for the fact that you are in the game, you mm. know, the game of physical culture or surfing or whatever, just by being there. Whereas, you know, when you're 21, you have to actually be pretty world-class to get people's attention, yeah, yeah. regardless of what you do. And I'm encouraged by the fact that mm. yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm still here and I'm going to still be around in 20 years time doing pull-ups and training. And I've found inspiration from that. Mm. No, I also feel the same way. It's kind of like you can stand or you can kind of make your mark a bit more as an older guy because obviously when you're younger, you're expected to be fit and healthy and it's kind of natural. You know, my wife was telling me yesterday, like, because I was seeing, uh, I was being judgmental, which is not so great, but I saw, um, I saw, unfortunately on the way to where we were going with my kids, I just saw a bunch of women like sitting and eating really unhealthily and not looking very fit. And my kids, they so used to knowing that that's our lifestyle here to be fit and healthy and stuff. And they commented on it. And she was like, but I'm sure when you were young, you also ate like crap. But I said to her, yeah, I might've eaten just, I think we just eat basically two minute noodles and pizzas the whole time. But you know, when you're 20 and something and you're surfing all the time, it's like, you don't even notice that you're eating all the bunny chows and your, everything that you chow. Your body's a furnace, a yeah. furnace at that age if you're surfing. Exactly. <laughs> so, but now, but now it is different. It is like once, cause I'm 42 now, man. I got four kids and oh, wow. to stay in shape does become a challenge. It does become a thing of discipline, which we'll get onto talking about your whole, your protocol and those things that you've been running. But, um, and then you can make your mark and you can be a kind of a standout a little bit more and, and feel a Definitely. bit accomplished at being fit still and being strong. And uh, I think it's my focus to be stronger than I've ever been. And I think we know a lot of guys um, that are actually strongest, stronger than they've ever been because they kind of have maintained that motivation. And I almost feel there's more motivation to be strong and fit and healthy and to look at what I'm eating and what I'm doing and what, what workouts I'm into because... I've got these kids, you know, and as we get older, like yourself, you don't want to now stay, oh, well, I've had my heyday now. I'm going to like settle down and get married, have kids, and I'm going to let it go now. Well, I hope that's not your plan, but I'm pretty sure it's no not. Worries. But no. And that's the bonus about you being an older, I mean, I was 32 and had my first kids, and I just had my daughter last year. So she's one years old. So I was 41 with my 
fourth kid and then obviously 37 actually your age when I had James which is my third my third son my second son but my third kid but I, I spoke to Adam Schaefer do you know Adam Schaefer from Mind Pump yes I do uh, I know was, of him obviously yeah and he was he saying doesn't, he doesn't know me no, <laughs> he knows me now <laughs> or maybe maybe he's forgotten already but um yeah. He was just saying that he's so glad that he, that, he, that he went a longer time without having kids and then he really was intentional about it. Do you think that that also plays a part in you like settling down and waiting longer because you're doing this awesome work in yourself that I'm doing now, bro, but I've already got four kids yeah. and it's such a challenge to do the work while you've got four kids. You know what I mean? You know, it's, that, is, that is such a good question. And at the moment, I feel that I'm in this... I feel like a bit of a day walker. I'll, I'll break it down while I feel like a bit of a day walker to use the, the analogy from Blade. As a bachelor, I connect with younger men. I have guys who train with mm. me in person and they're just starting out in life in the sense that they're over there jawling years, that they're partying years. They've moved out the frat houses. So they're 26, 27. I'm connecting with them and I can relate to them because I am a bachelor. I'm not married and I obviously don't have children. And on the flip side, I do a lot of work with men your age and older. You know, family men who have re recommitted and reconnected to physical culture and they have children and they want to be the best, the best protector, provider, leader they can be for their children and their wives accordingly. Now, I feel at this moment, and it's not going to last forever, I'm the day walker between both. And that sounds crazy. Um, my lifestyle is such that I can hang out with the younger guys, surf with them. Mm. But um, obviously I've been around, you know, I, I'm 37. So I do connect with men in their forties, late forties who have taken on the next chapter of life. And it's, it's, it's pretty interesting because young guys who don't want to, you know, waste their youth, connect with me and ask me questions. And I'm not suggesting I have the answers or I've been enlightened, but I, I can assist them and I can remind them what's necessary. And the older gentlemen, I can learn from them what it's like to, you know, bring life into the world and be married. And I can remind them what's necessary in physical culture and rebuilding and reshaping their bodies. So I'm greatly enjoying this, this patch that I'm in. If that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it does kind of, but I think it is important to develop yourself as, as a youngster and stuff. And I think it's important to pit both, both goals because the pre the, what you did before you get, before you become, you know, a dad and get married, you don't realize how little time you're going to have as a dad. And you know, if you're married, especially if you're married and you know, I've also got an ex-wife, which threw a whole span in the works and had been custody battles. You don't know what's coming up and then obviously making money. And like you say, providing, presiding, as Ryan, I'm sure you know Ryan Mickler as well, you know, provide, protect, provide, yes. preside, you know, taking on. I've the actually, people. I've met Ryan. I've met Ryan in person. Okay. This, yeah, it was pretty cool, actually. Yeah. No, no, he's an awesome <laughs> guy. And I think what he's doing is very valuable at this point. But just those three things is that I don't think we realize how important it is. And I think a guy like you, and hopefully a podcast like this, because I've always said the same thing as you. I've said, you know, this should be for dads to be. And I've got some followers that aren't dads yet. And I think they gain the perspective of like, oh my gosh, this is what I am going to have to be one day. Because like for you now, you're getting yourself ready and you are living for yourself. At the end of the day, you, you're making a difference, right? And, and I do think that you have some of the answers. You know, I've seen a few lives with you and Brandon Lilly, and I've seen obviously your person me following you for a while. And I think that you're onto a lot of good things. And I, and I love your perspective, actually. And I think it's quite an 
open-minded perspective and something that I we can all learn from. But being between that, I think it's important for guys like you to communicate to the younger guys. Listen, I'm working with these older guys. This is how hard it is for them now that they are over 40. You guys want to keep yes. in shape now. You want to take care of your body now. You don't want to be developing these problems of diabetes and all these problems that happen later on in life because you neglected it now. Do you find that that does give you the advantage to speak to both and use both as like a inspiration for the other? <laughs> Definitely. And straight away, I can say from the get-go, these younger gentlemen who think they don't have time to do these, to build upon these incredibly important foundations, fiscal discipline, fiscal fitness, physical fitness, nutrition. If they believe that at 28, 27, uh, unmarried, no children, there's no time to do it. I remind them, I remind them very forcefully that the snowball only travels faster and more furiously and quicker down the mountain as they get older. And I, I, I remind them that, that the time they have now, they are never, never, never going to mm. revisit. It's, it's as good as it gets. You know? And I remind them physically at 27, 28, if they were professional athletes, they would be in their prime. So they are in their physical prime. Their testosterone is, is, is raging. They've got, they've got hours at their disposal. They don't really, yes, some people are, some men are married earlier, but the majority of which still have, have, have freedom to pursue their, their passions and, and their pursuits. And it's only going to become more difficult to do so. It's natural. When you've got two kids, three kids, four kids, you can't just go for a surf and go to gym whenever you just want to. You have a wife and you have to be cognizant of her needs. And, <laughs> and, and, I, just, and I remind them that's a reality. That's not Terence's rules. That's just how it is. And they, they, they do take that on board. They, they, I can see in their eyes, they realize, you know, shit, he's actually right. If I can't sort my shit out and make time to train for one hour a day when I'm living by myself, where am I going to find that hour in the real world one day? <laughs> so, and you know, I'm, I like to be gentle in my encouragements, but I'm also harsh when I need to be, you know? I think that is important. <laughs> and I think it's important to be real. Like you say, the realities of life. I think, I think at the moment we're seeing quite a, there seems to be some sort of detachment from life. I don't know what it is or from the real, real world as though everything's supposed to line up. And I just actually spoke to David Rutherford who, um, He's a Navy SEAL, worked for the CIA and has this frog logic, um, team frog logic thing, awesome conversation, wow. just talking about the realities of life. There's a little clip I just posted on YouTube that you can go check out. Just took four minutes out of the, out of the podcast because he just lists the challenges that are facing our kids and that are facing us, you know, in the real world. And expecting things to be easy is one of the worst mistakes, I think. And I think actually... It's like they're preparing for war, right? You don't just suddenly stand up and go to war. You've been preparing for months and months and years. And if you're a Spartan, you've been preparing since you were nine years old to go and fight battles. And that's why it's like that. And so I think it's important for guys like you out there to be motivating guys and guys like me to be talking about it. Because whether you're a father or not, it is. It's the same principle. But it's just ratcheted up that another level to where suddenly irresponsible or not i had four kids you know like I'm, it's quite crazy what i did i just went at 32 without even being ready and didn't really know what i was in for <laughs> and just just basically i had twins bro i had like uh twins oh wow and they were 10 weeks early so it was like baptism by major fire and i had to just go with it and so <laughs> i encourage guys to really just 
to do that. And, and if you're listening to this podcast is the body forms a foundation, right? I mean, how it essential is. has your, you maintaining this fitness? I mean, you basically live it. It is a lifestyle. I do. It is. I walked into a gymnasium at 14 years old when I just turned 14 and I've never, never stopped. I've never, this is going to blow people's minds. I've never taken more than three days off some form of physical culture. No, and that doesn't include surfing. I'm talking oh, wow. structured training, structured training. I am completely madly obsessed and I love it. And I cannot, I'm amazed that I have never, my enjoyment and enthusiasm has never waned. If, if yeah. anything, it's only gotten more crazy. Maybe that's genetic. I don't know. <laughs> the day I walked into a gym, it was, wow, I'm going to do this until I take my last breath. And mm. pretty crazy. And, and you, know, you know, Tom, you just touched on something that reminded me. I'm going to go on a slight tangent. We are living in a strange time now where there are incredible people out there. You just think of Joe Rogan and Jocko Willick and David Goggins. Yeah. And, you know, great books. There's Jordan Peterson, 12 Years yeah. for Life. And there's, you know, the man who wrote the book about the monk who sold his Ferrari. And there's incredible information. It's like, mm. wow, wow, wow. All this incredible information. And we can go down the psychedelic route. And maybe if I, t I try psychedelics, I can open up new areas of creativity. And yes, these things are possible. But guess what? On a Monday, uh, am I allowed to swear? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I swore on the last podcast. Uh, I, imi I imitated Monday David Goggins on my last podcast. So you can imagine how that went. <laughs> So all these, eventually, you got to, you know, put down 12 rules for life. Mm. You got to forget about the monk who sold his Ferrari. You got to forget about Aubrey Marcus mm. and the mushrooms he takes. And <laughs> Monday, mo Monday morning hits you and you got to fucking do the work. Mm. And that is not popular. That is not trendy because that is, you do the work alone. Your work may be at a desk alone. Your work may be crafting a, a, a knife at a forge it may be i don't know but it's not glamorous it's not sexy it's not romantic and this is the challenge that i'm trying to put out there there's enough inspiration and motivation out there but it's detracting from the work you've got to get into your garage and do the hindu push-ups and do the pull-ups you know watching one more clip of you know david goggins doing something crazy <laughs> it's not actually going to help you in that moment. Yeah, yeah. You've got to, you know, Stephen Pressfield wrote yeah. an incredible book. Do the work. Eventually, the time comes to do the fucking work. And, and I'm battling with that now with the people who I actually work with in person. Because they almost want to put, put off the hard work. Because it's, it's hard. It's shit. There's no cheerleaders. There's no, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing yeah. cool about waking up at half past four and jumping in an ice bath for half past five in the morning. There's no music video playing. <laughs> but, but it sets the wheels in motion for actual change mm. and friction. Friction, yes. you know. The meat grinder, you know, to, to immerse yourself in this meat grinder, this vortex. Mm. And... And that is, and it's something I'm trying to, 
to remind men of, but not discourage them. Because, you know, all, everything I've mentioned is sound. You know, if, if you read Jordan Peterson, he could very well change your life. But you've got to put the book down eventually and, and fucking make your bed, you know, and clean your house <laughs> eventually, you know? Yeah. And, and that's where I am now personally with trying to share my message. Mm. No, it is. And I'm, I'm, yeah, carry on. There's just, there's, there's great information out there. You know, if you are so inclined, you can look up anything online for mm. good or for ill. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and the thing is what I was talking about on Monday, I have a little, little show on Monday called Monday Meditation. So it's just like a 10 to 15 minutes of, you know, basically based on Stoicism, but mainly and, and based on the books you're talking about. In fact, um, Gates of Fire is the one I'm just finishing. I'm in the last few pages of Gates of Fire by Stephen Pressfield, amazing book. And there's yeah. lots of wisdom in there. I mean, when you just look at the, the Spartans didn't, you know, make an amazing stand at Demopoli because they just read books. You know, that was like, yeah. like since they were nine <laughs> years old, they were beaten, they were taken, they were lashed, they were prepared for war. And that's what happens in our lives. You know, if you're not ready to do the work, it's not going to happen. And for me, the beauty comes when you stop doing this product versus process. It's like you look at the body. I can look at you and go like, oh, I want a body like Terrence. I want to, I want to have abs. I want to have this. And that's fine. I don't, I'm not bashing any goal, whether it be financial, whether of it be course. a woman that you want to be with. I mean, I'm with my wife because of that. But I had to enjoy the process, right? It's the process. It's like that whole thing of like loving, loving the suck, as they say, or embracing the suck. I don't know who, was, who said that. It's probably a lot of Navy SEALs have said that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you find that that is something that guys struggle with to understand that, hey, you can all, like you say, you can all read the book and hear the pro product. Because I mean, they talk about how you can do it and then they talk about what you will become. And then, yes. and then you have to take it away and you have to go, well, these are my goals. But I think when we get so caught up in goals, that can almost be detrimental to us because like myself, I'm doing seal foot at the moment. I didn't even know Mark Devine's programs, uh, eight, yes, days, uh, eight weeks of seal foot. I love that yes, program. And there's obviously goals I have with that program, but if I'm attached to the way I look with that goal or even yes. getting stronger with that goal, I did the PT grinder on Thursday and I did worse than I did a week ago. Then I could go, well, this is sucks. I'm not working or look in the mirror. Okay, it's not, it's not showing. And that kind of makes me feel like, oh, well, if I'm not getting the product, I'm not going to give in the effort anymore. And what I'm finding is that getting a bit older, getting a bit wiser and getting a little bit more hardcore and a little bit more endurant, I can start going, well, you know what? I love this process. I love the process of being a dad. I love the process of learning how to cook. I just, check this, Brew. I, I actually forgot how to make a white sauce. Can you believe it? And my wife just oh. taught me. My wife just yes. taught me how to make a white sauce and we're learning how to make bread and I made a cake the other day and I'm cooking. But it's like this whole thing of just stopping, stop, stop going after money and all these, the status and the renown. And like for me of this podcast, I've said it many times on the show is like, I started, Hey, I want to get like, I want to make a huge impact to millions of dads life. And I want to oh, have of course. followers. And then I stopped enjoying it because I was like, Oh, this is, I wasn't making money and I wasn't doing that. And then I started going, hang on, just, just stop. You get to talk to these. You get to talk to Ryan McLean. I mean, I get. I got to talk to Brandon. I mean, I know you mates with him. That guy is just such a amazing guy. Like that, I get he, to like message a, him anytime. He's a beautiful human. Yeah, and a he replies human. to everything, bro. Every time I talk yeah. to him, he replies. Like I asked said to him, I wrote a, a thing about ah, oh, there's freaking overhead squats. They suck. I don't know how to do it. I need to get some <laughs> tips. And he sent me a YouTube video. But him and Bert, I mean, and we can get on to how you met them, but. Those are guys, you just see, it's the process. It's not about their ego. It's like you don't get them on the podcast and go, oh, now I'm talking to, oh, I got on them with them. Bert spent 40 minutes after the podcast talking about marriage and stuff to me, dude. Like this guy, oh. who doesn't even know me. And I was just like, wow. Like, that's another, oh, yeah. what a, 
just another beautiful man. Just yeah. a beautiful man. And you know, it's so crazy that you've just said my favorite word, process. Yesterday I journaled and you know, I need to call myself out and I constantly do because I'm a man and I've got an ego. I love two things equally and it's actually pretty interesting because I'll explain. I love surfing and I love physical culture. Mm. I am a very, very bad surfer. I am very <laughs> I'm not great either. <laughs> but I, and, and I love physical culture. The difference being I've spent over 20 years never missing three days of physical culture for over 20 years. So that doesn't mean I'm the Kelly Slater physical culture, but I'm pretty good. I am not that in surfing. Surfing, I am a beginner. Even after doing it for a year, I'm still a beginner. But I love them the same. But every time I get into the water, my ego is not at the, I have to, I, I have this war with my ego because my ego just wants me somehow magically to be able to do other things like mm. that which I've dedicated my life to, which is crazy. It just yeah. can't be. So I say, okay, Terrence, accept the fact that you have not, you've not dedicated 10,000, 20,000 hours to this craft, but you do love it. Mm. Now, in order to maximize your enjoyment and your depth of experience, Perfect the process of surfing. Don't try and perfect the performance because you're never going to do that. Hmm. You're never going to perfect the performance of surfing. But my processes can be perfect. Okay, so what's the process of surfing? Before I get into the ocean, I'm grateful for the ability to do so. I acknowledge the ocean. I acknowledge my health. I acknowledge the fact that I have a surfboard. Many people in this world don't own a surfboard. I paddle out and I enjoy the water on my skin. I enjoy being there. My process is perfect. I can wipe out on every wave because it's not about performance. After the surf, I can find the 1% where I improved compared to last surf. Yeah. So my processes led to a very successful session, regardless of any performance. And I think right there is the secret to a man learning something new in middle age when it's not fun and you're going to wipe out, <laughs> you're going to fail and you're going to look like a kook because that's what puts us as men off learning new things. Yeah. As, as youngsters, we are fearless. We have a childlike, not childish, we have a childlike fearlessness. And I encourage men to become more childlike in this in this fearlessness, in learning new things, archery, whatever you learn, there is that price of admission and it's not going to be pretty. Mm. You know, it's not going to be pretty. Muay Thai, boxing, goodness me, you're going to look like a fool. But provided you have processes which are perfect, mm. I believe you can gain as much satisfaction as someone whose performance is perfect. It sounds crazy, but I believe it's possible. I can enjoy a surf as much as Kelly Slater. Exactly. I truly believe. I, I believe I do. Mm. And so therefore, I believe someone who's new to physical culture, if they come and train with me, they can enjoy the experience as much as me. Mm. I've done it for 25 years. And I'm loving this angle of looking at, yeah. at, at things.
Yeah. No, that's awesome, bro. I love that. I mean, that just took a little bit further. And I think that's excellent for in process and, 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 and gaining something and learning something new, but also just for contentment and happiness. I mean, what is life about Terrence? At the end of the day, when I've heard you speak, I know that you like to focus on the positive. You like to be content, be satisfied. At the end of the day, it's not striving after the next big thing and becoming the next big surfer. It's about like, like you say, like that's a, and surfing such a great one to say that I, I was talking and I love, can you believe I get to say this? I was talking to Rob Machado the other day. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. I know. Anyways. Find one of the best surfers of all time. Okay. Yeah. I mean, how, but how cool is that oak, bro? That oak just like comes yeah. on a random dad podcast, the most down to earth, like trying to save the ocean, just had this chat with me. But I was, it was either him or Taylor Knox. I mean, him and other guy. These guys are all just wonderful. But you know what makes them wonderful is that they, they also will agree with you. If you watch the Momentum Generation, they agree exactly with it. They'd said like, we, they were so competitive that at times they couldn't enjoy the surf. You know what I mean? And yes. I was competitive. I told them the story. I might have been Taylor Knox actually. I went to Madagascar. And uh, I went with my mates and I hadn't surfed for years. And because of my ego, my massive chip on my shoulders that I've had, that I've worked through, that I'm very honest on my podcast about because this whole dad strong is not about, hey, I'm telling you what to do. It's also about, hey, I'm learning about myself and trying to become a better dad and get rid of that ego. Because as Ryan Holiday books, ego is the enemy. It just, it's, it's just shows you in stoicism, especially, is that how it ruins a life. I went to Madagascar. So picture this, dude, 13 days on a chartered boat with my best mates from Cape Town. I've been living in Germany, no surf. I rock up there. Everything's lacquer. But what, what, what starts to creep in? I haven't surfed for ages. I'm surfing with goofy footers. We're surfing major lefts, like four to six lefts that are perfect <laughs> bombs. And what, what do you think I do? Do you think I just sit there and enjoy it and, 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 and take for a couple of beatings and just enjoy that I'm with my mates and I'm eating good food and I'm drinking beer on the boat and we're fishing? I only caught two fish, I think, the whole time because it's been fished out there. But <laughs> no, the answer is no, bro. The answer is that I started getting pissed off with a goofy footer mates of mine for taking more waves than me. I was getting frustrated with myself because I couldn't pull into pig dog barrels as well as yes. I used to. I was frustrated because I wasn't performing on videos. I was annoyed that I wasn't getting the cool shots on video or someone wasn't filming me. I mean, it's embarrassing to even speak about it, but that's the total illustration of how your ego and trying to be something instead of just doing it and enjoying it and being out there. I mean, I was surfing yeah. in baggies, dude, like in on, on like tropical reefs with like, wow. and you think, how can that guy have a problem? But I, that's, and that's there, but aren't we doing that all the time? We were our kids, this beautiful kid. And we want to like, we, we think that we have to like be the biggest, the, the biggest guy at work and, you know, climb the ladder at work and that's going to bring us satisfaction. We have to drive the next, I mean, in Germany with cars, it's insane. We have to drive the I'm next sure. car. We have to reach the next million followers or, or whatever it wants to be. And you just go like, but hang on, bro. Like, look where we look at, look behind me. Look, look at my wife, look at my kids, look at what I've got. Look at what I've been blessed with. Instead of yes. being grateful about that and enjoying the process of just living life and taking it as it comes and learning new things and being happy with, like you say, getting out there and riding a foamy the first time and getting up. But we worried what people think and that people will think we look like a kook, like you say, and, yes. and expecting to be, you, know, you hit it on the nail on the head there so well, bro, when you said expecting to be at that level of something I've been doing for like 20,000 hours. Now I'm going to like, I'm going to start a podcast and it's going to be amazing, like <laughs> straight away. Yes. And, uh, exactly. and I think that's cool. I think it's <laughs> definitely like that. But we can, we can also move on to the other part of it, which is discipline, man. And I think that you, yes. you have the study days of discipline. And I want to talk about that because although I want to talk about the mental side of things, because we talk about strong mind, strong body, and strong character here, I think that 
I often get off to- off um, off topic with the guests, you know. I have them. I have like some idea oh, what I want them, and then, uh, then of I start. It happens. And then I start talking about philosophy because I think it all goes together. <laughs> but as far as discipline with physical things, and I think it might be different for you because you love it so much. But what when you run that course of the discipline in the twenty twenty protocol? And if you just want to break that down for us and give dads who are listening or men that are listening just that understanding of how to use discipline and how to develop that in, in creating that body that's going to then help them be better as dads. And I hope you don't mind me eating, by the way. I didn't have no, lunch. No, no, go for it. <laughs> so once again, I believe that maybe some genetics and a lot, of, a lot of nurture. So maybe some nature and maybe some nurture. I had have a, a very disciplined father and I had a very, very strict upbringing. And then he sent me to a very, very strict boarding school. So discipline, I knew no other way but discipline. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean I was an angel. I was rebellious against authority in school because I just got bored sitting in math class or history. However, I appreciated discipline. Even as a 12, 13, 14-year-old kid, I wasn't naive. I knew that in order to do something at a, at a decent level, that discipline was required. So the day I walked into the gym at 14, I did, a, a, there was something in my brain that said, okay, Terrence, you're going to have to do this for many years to look like you do it. And maybe that's fortunate. I didn't think there were hacks. I didn't think there were shortcuts. There was no social media. So when I looked at a very big, powerful man, I just assumed he's probably been doing it for longer than I've lived. And I was, I was at home with discipline. I understood there were things that couldn't be, you know, sidetracked. There were chores. I had to come home from school. I had to do chores. I wasn't allowed to watch TV. We didn't have TV games. I learned to play with my brother outside. I didn't expect adults to entertain me. And I kind of knew at a young age that, you know, no one was going to be there for me. And speaking, you know, about, you know, obviously at boarding school, there was bullying and I would get beaten up by seniors. And yes, they didn't beat me up. So I needed to go to hospital, but they roughed me up and, you know, uh, dried my tears and the blood nose would heal. And no one, no parents came to save me. And I didn't run home to my mom. And I kind of just realized, you know what? Like, this is on me. Like, this is on me, this laugh that I have. And if I want to achieve something, I've got to, you know, just crack on. And maybe I didn't have the understanding of it in such an intellectual way now that I'm breaking down for you. But as a kid, I knew that I couldn't just eat junk food and, and drink Coke. I made a nutritional switch at 14. As of that day, I thought, wait a minute, the people who drink that and eat that look like shit. Like, I really made that connection at 14. I just looked around. And then I thought, maybe don't eat that shit. Just maybe don't. And therefore, that set into the wheels in motion for a lifetime of being dedicated to natural, natural food choices and being healthy. So discipline for me maybe came quite naturally. And I understand that 
discipline doesn't come naturally to, to people. So I've tried to, what's a good way? I've tried to reverse engineer discipline for men in my protocol. I've tried to break it down and make it a bit more accessible and, and remind them that when they are disciplined, everything they think, they fear, hate, you know, don't want to entertain, are actually the damn things they would love, the things that would give them joy, peace, confidence. And I believe I've been somewhat successful in that endeavor because whoever regrets eating a, a good, healthy piece of venison or wild fish and green vegetables after the fact, no one, no one. Who regrets a workout afterwards? No one. Or a hike in the woods? No one. You regret these things before because you would rather just fucking sit on a couch or passive entertainment or, you know, instant gratification because that's the way society has programmed us. But when we pull that kill switch and we realize this game that we are in doesn't want the best for us, this entertainment, this instant gratification, when we realize that it's a zero-sum game, that's when discipline, it becomes your best friend. <laughs> I don't know. That might sound crazy. But everything I want, everything I believe in and want to share with everyone I meet, I don't care how crazy they think I am, discipline is at, is at the root. It's, it's everything that I am. And, and yes, Jocko Willick says that it creates freedom. It does. It creates freedom from your own bullshit. <laughs> Brother, can you hear me? No, I'm, I, I actually oh, put yeah. myself on mute because I didn't want to have like okay. eating, eating sounds in the microphone. No, okay. <laughs> and maybe I should be more disciplined and put the food to the side and wait. Oh, man. <laughs> My so, wife man. brought it to me as I was going on. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but um, no, so I, I'm no, I like, to. Yeah. I'm trying to. Let me choose the right word. I don't believe any man must help any other man. I don't like the word help. It's a weak word. It's, it's to remind what's necessary. And, that, and that's from George, Dr. Jordan Peterson. That's not mine. Mm. It's to remind men what's necessary. I, I believe that discipline is so necessary in this day and age. And then it's my duty to remind them that mm. discipline is their best friend. It's yeah. only going to add to their relationships, their interactions, the enjoyment of every food, every meal, every sip of coffee, every workout. And that's my life. <laughs> it, looks, it looks terrible, guys. If you go follow Terrence at uh, Mitchell Strength on Instagram, you'll see how cuck his life is. How boring. No, but it's totally true. And the thing is, I've discovered that myself because I also grew up with strict parents, but in a different kind of way. And it wasn't, it wasn't that great because it didn't really set me up to be disciplined. You know, things came quite easy to me when I was younger at school, especially academically. And so I didn't learn actually how to work. I kind of was like, oh, everything's super easy. And um, <laughs> I discovered that, that exactly that thing is that discipline frees you from yourself. It's like 
Yes. Uh, Stephen Pressfield was talking about the Bhagavad Gita, I think it's called, and Arjun. And um, he's about to face this battle. And he's, he sees like on the other side, all these people that he has to face. And he doesn't want to face. And he says, why should I fight these people? And Krishna says, no, you must face those people. And then Stephen Pressfield is saying that the names of the people that he was fighting were actually like attributes, like laziness and contempt for other people. Wow. It's all about how the battle is not against these outward foes. There's these inward foes. And like you're totally true. You're totally right about the discipline. And when you start putting your life in order with just simple like morning routines and evening routines and a workout that you've agreed to do, like you write it down in a book and you commit to that and you sit discipline in your thoughts. I mean, that's the major thing that I've been learning about. Like we, we think discipline outside, but the discipline outside really helps to bring your mind into a way of actually being able to discipline your thoughts. So when I think negatively about someone else, because I've been that kind of person, judgmental as I talked to you about even yesterday. I don't think it's that bad looking at that and reminding myself, well, eat healthy is not bad, but the judgmental attitude that I've had of other people. And I start thinking about someone else's mistake. My little voice now says, Tom, hang on. Look in the mirror, dude. Don't waste your yes. time trying to solve someone else's problem. You're not going to help at all, like you say. It's a weak word because you don't actually help anyone. And by thinking negatively about them and complaining, what does that do? That discipline of going, oh, bring your thought into captivity, to quote the Bible. Um, and start being disciplined with your thoughts and going, no, I'm not going to think that. Or like, oh, I'm going to do that later. I know Bert Soren always quotes that one, later is never. And it's so true. How many times have we gone, oh, I'll do that later. And then the workout never happens. I'll, I'll eat better later. I'll do that tomorrow. And then, you know, oh, I'll get and I'll hang out with my sons later. And so the discipline for me, I can tell you from personal experience that dabbling with it, I'll say I've, I've got into it quite heavily lately, but I've been dabbling over years. And the more deep I get into disciplining myself and what's within me, and my life, the more free that I feel and the more satisfied, more content. And it's totally true. And the other thing that I love that you talked about was your childhood and dad's listening here. We're talking about you being disciplined, but we're also talking about how you raise your kids. And these days, kids are allowed so much freedom and we think we're doing them a big favor by letting them experience everything. Go on a PlayStation for five hours a day and go where they want and do what they want and have, say what they want. And I mean, it's a disgrace. Dude. My high, we have a school that's got a high school as well. You know, 12 year old kids just sitting on their cell phones at break times all the time, just looking down on their cell phones, walking in the street on their cell phones. And we as dads need to realize that setting a bit of discipline, setting boundaries as your parents did, and who knows if they did it, how they did it. We can't, we don't obviously have kept, don't have to go into that, but setting those boundaries for our children and understanding that when you make discipline a priority in a child's life the child becomes more free and they grow up like you and you say it's it's nature i don't know how much is it nature their scientists have agreed now and and made a handshake on 50 50 but yeah at least, well, fair enough that, at that, least 50 percent cool. of nurturing children and teaching them discipline like teaching my children they have to get up the mountain to have the downhill that's how it is you're not going to exactly. down your mountain bike without Okay, well, we can take an e-bike. Well, then how, what happens when you have to take an e-bike? You end up being lazy. And so my kids look down on people on e-bikes, by the way. Every time yeah. an e electric bike comes past, they're like, oh, how's this person like taking it easy? Um, and it's not perfect for me. And I'm not done it perfect. But I think there's two sides to the coin. is our discipline that we model for our children. The kids seeing my son did seal for you. He was just doing like 50 push-ups just now because he sees that I do it. And then getting that discipline in check for our children and making sure that they're not like me. The difference between you and yes. me is you learn discipline at 14. So how easy is, is it for you to stay disciplined? You think it's natural now. I don't think it's natural. I said to my wife the other day, yeah. I said, hey, you know what? Just to let you in a little bit secret, I'm freaking lazy and I don't feel like doing this at all. But I know that it's important for my kids and I know that it's important for me. But I would much rather get up and have a learned discipline from my young age with my parents. And then if you discipline yourself, 
no one else has to discipline you, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to, this is my second favorite topic because of what's happened globally and it's, yes, it's connected to everything we've said. Yeah. Okay. So for a long time, everyone, when I say everyone, I mean the world, like globally. Yeah. Not prior every single to, person. <laughs> prior to lockdown or whatever this bullshit is, yeah. is <laughs> that we didn't have time. We didn't have time. We didn't have time. So that's why I am not this. I am not this because I don't have time. Yeah. Be very, very, very careful what you wish for because you will get it. Universally, people were given more time than they've ever had and they ever will have in their lives. Flat out. Three months at home. Okay. Now, many, many have realized that that was just another bullshit narrative they told themselves. Because in this three months or four months, when time has been in an abundance, and I accept there's been other stresses, financial stress and strain and uncertainty and fear. I get that. But the fact of the matter remains, there was time to fucking train your body if you didn't think you had time. That lasted about a week for people in my community. The novelty of time lasted a week. And then it became an inconvenience to have time. <laughs> and which, which brings me to this theory. Well, it's not my theory. It's, it's a theory that it just so happens that what's going on in society now is men. I'm, I, never, I will never speak for women. I speak for men. I use the word men. I don't say they. I don't say us. Men are fleeing from responsibility when it's the only fucking thing they should flee to. They're trying to flee from responsibility, you know? And, and that's a problem. I believe men need to seek responsibility, add to it, collect it, fill the fucking boat with responsibility because that, will, that brings about satisfaction. Not fleeing from responsibility. That becomes, that's, that's Peter Pan. That's Peter Pan. Peter Pan had no responsibility and he lived in Never Neverland. And guess what? He never fucking grew up. Mm. And, and that's the way I think of it. And I, and I quite like that analogy. Once again, not mine. I believe that's from a Jordan Peterson lecture. But I see that. I see Peter Pan shit going on where men, they want to they wanna offload their responsibility. They want their wife to do a lot more leading, leading in a relationship than is healthy for a wife and a woman. They want to, they wanna, what's the word? Subcontract parts of their masculinity and responsibility yeah. out. They should be finding more avenues to embrace and, and become responsible about. Mm. You know, and I, I noticed that within myself. Not too long ago, I lived with my brother. And when he lived here, you can imagine two brothers living together. Everything had to be 50-50. I fucking mowed the lawn. You have to clean the pool. I fixed the geezer. You have to fix the oven. And it was quite funny because here we are in our late 30s arguing over who did what, who paid for what. And then one day he moved out. And I realized this is pretty cool because now it's all on me. And it was I, I, I realized that even having him here, I was, 
subcontracting shit that I should be doing. <laughs> like in my, in, my own, in my own way. And I like being alone now because now there's no one. There's no one to clean the, clean the pool and, and mow the lawn. It's, it's a good, it serves as a good metaphor for life is that if you have allies and you have brothers and teammates, that's fantastic. But you can't depend on them. You cannot depend on them. Yeah, but I think that's a mistake a lot of parents make is that they don't realize that that's what's awaiting their children. You know, and if, if moms and dads are taking responsibility off their children the whole time, and that's why giving your kids responsibility as young as possible, and it doesn't have to be massive and it doesn't have to be overboard, but it just has to be responsibility that they can understand that this is how it works. Because then, like you say, they get into a relationship with someone and they're so used to someone doing it. And I mean, this is happening all the time, right? There's so many boys, men that don't even leave home until maybe they don't even leave home at all. Um, can't get a wife even they can't even get a wife because they've got so little ability to take responsibility. They can't even take responsibility to actually talking to someone, uh, plucking up the courage because that's even too, too dangerous for them. And that's why I think I love to challenge my kids. I love to put them in uncomfortable situations. I love them to do dangerous stuff. If you look at my Instagram, my kids are always doing some crazy shit. That's amazing. But it's, but it's, but it's in a, in a controlled environment and it's letting go slowly because I know for myself, Hey, I've had my, my parents did, did some stuff. I, I had to do stuff by myself a lot. Like I had to basically put myself through UNISA actually on my, on my own back and stuff. But, Whoa. I, but, but my dad did do some stuff for me that then let me rely on other people. And then my first marriage also relied on my wife doing paperwork and all this stuff. And it leaves you with a dissatisfaction as a man. It, it's, not, it's not satisfying. It's not, it's not building you up as, as a person, as a man. Yes, it's easy. And it might, you might think you're clever because you're getting away. But then sit there at the age of 40 and you haven't learned to take responsibility. You can't fill out this form. You can't organize that thing. You, can't, you don't know how to buy a house. You don't know how to buy a car. You don't know how to do these things. You don't know how to fix a tap or a light. And you just think like, <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, okay, great. I, I, I'm this, this guy that can't do any of these things. And your confidence is more bravado than actual real confidence based on competence because you actually haven't been competent. And I know for myself, as I've developed with my wife, who's very honest with me and I used to hate what she said to me and I used to get very angry what she said to me because she would hit my, she hit the nail on the head and like put her finger in the saw. Cause when she said, Hey, you're not doing this. I would react so negatively because I knew she was right. She knows now. She'll say, hi, oh, you know that I'm right. That's why you're getting angry. And I'll be like, no, I'm just angry because you're annoying me. And it's like, it's like, no, it's because I'm right. And even Navy SEALs that I've talked to have said that's the same thing. His wife was like, hey, what's up with this? And then he would know like, well, I'm reacting because of that. And I think you're totally right. I think this no time story is this bullshit in general. It's one thing I won't do anymore. When someone asks yeah. me something or why I didn't do anything, I'm not no longer going to go, oh, I, I was too busy. Or I didn't have time because I made a choice. And that's a responsibility in itself is going, I made a choice not to phone you on your birthday. I made a choice not to return your call. I made a choice not to return your email. It's not because I didn't have time. It's because I sat on my fucking couch and watched some Tiger King guy. Okay, and I didn't. I've never yeah. watched an episode of that. But I know you that. Know, that I'm very proud thing. of it. Is it? No, but isn't it funny because suddenly so, Corona hit. I'm so proud of it. Ridiculous I'm, show. I'm, started I'm so, you know, you know, Tom, one thing. I think my mother actually politely reminded me of this as she knew that I was a bit more exposed to people online and doing podcasts. She said, my boy, be very wary of assuming the things that came naturally to you must come naturally to other people. And, and, and it's, it's very important. 
You know, I do accept, okay, yes, I've practiced discipline, but I do accept that maybe discipline came to me like basketball to Kobe Bryant. We had a knack for it. Let's just, once again, I'm not claiming kinship to Kobe Bryant, but maybe there was something in me that discipline was somewhat appealing, attractive, etc., and I do remind myself daily that to other men, it's the antithesis of everything they are. It's the demon. It's the dark lord. It's Saruman. You know? <laughs> I was just about to ask you about the tats on your hand if you're a Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> so I need to, big fan, I, I need to uh, remind too. myself that the things that I don't battle with, that I love and deeply immerse myself in, are are that which other men battle with. Now, you know, my girlfriend, believe it or not, I do have a girlfriend. Oh, you got a girlfriend, man. Ah. I, I've got a girlfriend. Ah, the secret's crazy. out. Sorry, ladies. All those ladies on it's your live crazy. saying, cute, <laughs> you're cute, Mitchell. <laughs> no, and it's, it's pretty crazy because she kind of knows what she's getting into in the sense that, I will tell you to her face last night, in fact, I said, I love you. You're amazing but I don't need you. Like you, I don't need you. I love you. And you are awesome to have around and have fun with and do everything we do. But I was pretty sorted before you and without you or any woman, I'm okay because a woman will never validate my masculinity mm. because a woman is not a, she's not a gatekeeper of mm. masculinity. Yeah. And a world in which a woman is a gatekeeper of masculinity is a dangerous world. We don't want to be in that world. Well, yes. <laughs> other, other men who are higher on the totem pole of, on the hierarchy of masculinity, because I also believe in that, they determine whether I am, you know, pulling my weight. And I'm at peace with that. I'm at peace by being on the totem pole. You know, I accept the fact that men higher up, more experienced men, more accomplished men, men who've achieved that which I wish to achieve, they get to decide upon my worth as a man. And mm. that is a difficult subject because people would say, oh, no woman decides who that I'm a man and no man does either. Well, actually, no, other fucking men do decide. There yeah. is a hierarchy of men, whether you look at it or not. And I politely remind my girlfriend very sweetly that she has no vote in that fact. Yeah. She, she has no vote in, in, in making me feel like a man or making me feel worthy or accomplished. She's an addition, an incredible addition. But all the rest is on me. And it's quite something because I told her that like on day one. <laughs> I don't need you. you and, and, and it's quite something because her previous partner was the opposite. Oh, yeah. Funny enough, he wanted a mommy girlfriend. And yeah. it's an interesting fucking dynamic. And, and, and I also, it's a different rabbit hole. I believe the feminine energy of a woman only blossoms when she doesn't have to pick up the masculine slack from her partner. That's another rabbit hole for another day. <laughs> We've but been... I believe you get the best of your woman. You get mm. the best of your wife. She, she just flourishes into this goddess of a creature because she's not grappling with masculine shit mm. you've dropped. 
Yeah. I mean, I've had guys on this podcast, actually a previous um, couple of episodes talking about this exact thing. Uh, quite a few actually, you know, and I agree with you completely. When, when we aren't being masculine in the true sense of the word, and this is obviously another whole rabbit hole as you talk about, but I yeah. think it is very important <laughs> for guys to understand because as dads, fathers and husbands and people that want to have a home life where there's discipline, where there's leadership, where there's harmony, where there's happiness, contentment, you need to step up as a man and you need to be masculine, but not in the sense that the world is selling it to us right now. And the examples out there of masculinity, which are not masculinity at all. And we call it yeah. toxic masculinity. I'm like, bullshit. there's no such thing as toxic masculinity because real masculinity protects, provides, presides, as Ryan says again. It's the same as you say. It picks up all the pieces. It freaking mows the lawn. It does those things. It makes the money. It sets like a, a pedestal for the woman to flourish, as you say, or the family to flourish. And I'm yeah. not saying this in an old traditional way of, of the world, but I think that I agree with you. I think that when we don't do that, then the woman starts picking up the pieces. Then they do their role and they've got to do the, the man's role. And that, that weight, I wouldn't want to have my role and my partner's role. Get what I mean? It's like, how do you pick up all the pieces? And when there's an imbalance, when there's imbalance between me and my wife, and I'll be honest with you, it's happened before, where she's just doing too much. She's doing too much. Yes. I'm taking it too easy. What do you think happens? Do you think that leads to a happy marriage? And I know friends of mine who have got, who are separated now with that exact same thing where the woman just got frustrated then she becomes nagging. He starts getting annoyed and the communication starts to falter. The relationship starts to fall apart. But I think that, I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head with most things. And I think with that whole need thing, it's the same thing with children. Oh, I want to have a kid. It's like, well, are you whole in yourself first? Are you able to be, um, are you able to be satisfied on yourself? Or have you worked on yourself? Have you developed a discipline with yourself first before you have kids? Are you having kids to fill a void? Or are you having kids, as Ryan Mickler was saying again, and I'm saying his name a lot, yeah? Um, but he had an influence on me as well. I mean, this podcast actually started because I was part of the, or the Iron Council. I did a battle plan. Oh, wow. I did a battle plan, and one of my battle plans was to do start that syndicate a year and whatever ago. But um, no, he was, he was saying that having kids, like anybody that doesn't want to have kids is weird. Like why, if you're a great, good man and you're going to raise kids that are going to be positive and are going to contribute to society, then it's great to have kids. And that's what yes. you're doing. But you should be raising them in that way is that you understand that this is my responsibility. I want to have kids. I want to, I want to teach them discipline. I want to teach them in the ways of the world and I want to be the man that I should be. And I think, it's, I think we all messed up a little bit in the world at the moment with what words mean. You know, there's a lot of people using yes. words in the, in the media at the moment. There's Black Lives Matter. There's masculinity. There's toxic masculinity. There's a whole bunch of things that people understand concepts with, right? And there's a lot of anger and, and, and friction between men and women even at the moment. It seems that people want to re remove the differences and make us more equal, but in doing so are creating so much more difference between us and so much more barriers between us. I mean, I just, I, I don't know what, I don't want to comment on it because like you said, I don't, can't be empathetic and understand everything, bro. But of course I just know it's more divided than when I was a teacher in Musenberg when I was 26 and I started there and we had a very multiracial staff at a multiracial bunch of students who just posted on Facebook the other day, one of them, he's 25 and he posted about me as his PE teacher from like years ago. And then I started chatting with all the kids again. And I just thought to myself, we didn't even think about this 15 years ago. Why the fuck yeah. are we now having this huge thing where everybody's worried about white and black and I can't say shit because I'm a 42-year-old white man and all I'm saying is, hey, man, I love those kids. I love them like my family. I didn't see the difference in their houses. They, I taught them. I taught them songs. I didn't give a shit. Now I must be made aware that I am white yeah. and that they were black and they were closer and they were colored and they were... And I'm like... 
is this really moving us forward? Is this moving us forward for women and men now that we can't talk about being men anymore? Is it helping yeah. us? I don't really think it is. <laughs> Rabbit no, hole gone no, down. And, Sorry. <laughs> no, and you know this, this, this. It's a difficult thing in the sense that it's a very things become very precarious when we expect to have equality of outcomes. So that's what we have in the world now. Not so much in South Africa, but you know, thanks to Canada and the USA and Scandinavia, equality of outcomes is, is this utopia, this utopian ideal, but it can't happen. Equality of opportunity, okay, it's a different kettle of fish, all for that, you know. But we all can't be what we want to be. We just can't. I cannot play in the NBA. I cannot, will not, won't. <laughs> I cannot become angry with that fact. I cannot become, I cannot wage war on being because of that fact. Right now we have many people who are waging war on being because they are at war with reality. They are at war with science. They are at war with biology. And when you are at war, so you think, but not actual war, yeah. you, what do you do? You burn down shit. You break down shit. You break property. You beat people up because you have this angst inside you and this rebellious streak. But you have no clue. You have no clue what the enemy is because it doesn't exist. Reality has become your enemy. And... And I'm saddened by that fact. I, I really am. Because if you, on a darker level, you know, the reason why people have had to walk in, children have had to walk into high schools and shoot people is because they've had a war against being. There's things didn't work out for them in one way or another. So they've adopted the, the nihilist approach. Death to all, beauty, order, structure. And that's an extreme view. That's, an, that's taken to the nth degree. But I see that in, 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 in lives of the men that I work with. They can't accept a reality. They can't accept that their situation is because of their actions. So they adopt a nihilist view. Well, fuck it. It's too late. I'm too old to change my physicality and my finances. So at 45, I'm just going to keep on doing that which got me into this shithole that I'm very unhappy about. That's nihilism. They are rejecting growth, beauty, enlightenment without realizing it. And what's going on now is that. You know, we, 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 if we tear down things because we are not at peace with something in ourselves, that's a problem. Mm. And that's why I wrote that. And it's pretty deep. You know, I, I said oh, to a yes. friend the other day, you know, think about all these protesters. This. What, what, what started off, yes, what started off as a real viable protest was hijacked. It was hijacked by all and sundry. Now, I said to a friend of mine, 
all these protesters rampaging through streets, flipping cars, terrorizing innocent people, is everything in their life in order? How is their health, their physicality? How is their financial situation? How are their relationships? How is the state of their house? Is everything so perfect that they can wage war on being? No, it's not. You would probably find they were fucking entitled children <laughs> yeah. who don't know anything about real, the real world and the realities that pertain to the real world. It just became a bandwagon. And it, it was sad because I think it regressed us a couple of i think we've gone back 10 yeah, years that's what i mean is like I, yeah. I that's exactly what i think and i was very worried about it my wife summers doesn't understand why i talk about it uh that often but i'm i'm worried for south africa because i know what's happening in america that's happening in america but in south africa we've come a, a long way and, and it is but it also yes. is it also balances on a knife edge and in our in our country people hold signs saying kill whites that's just a fact yes. people in certain parties do that and we have come to where we are and you're still there and it's a beautiful country. And when I go back to South Africa, I mingle with everybody and sundry and I'll kiss whoever who I haven't seen for a while and hug them. And I love it. And yes, there's crime and it sucks. And our government is up the Creek. If you ask me and they are shitting yeah. on everything that Nelson Mandela and everybody fought for, unfortunately, but the fact of the matter is that we were working towards something together and understanding that in, in the majority of people, and this is what pisses me off, the majority of the people are moving forward. The majority of people have become yes. more tolerant of each other. The majority of people love more. There's less war. There's less, there's less trouble. There's less problems. Between Significantly in the, uh, in the world. In the world. But in South Africa, it's yeah. the same thing. And it's, it's just, for me, I, I think it's taking everybody back because I think that it's the same thing as Marcus Aurelius says. The best revenge is to not be like the person who did the thing to you. The worst revenge is when you start trying to be like the people that were like that to you. And I hate slavery. And I watched Amistad and I freaking, that was disgraceful. He's a teacher in school. And I think what they did was terrible. I know they weren't as, they were ignorant. They didn't know. The world was a different place back then. I will never stand for racism. I think it's disgusting. I've taught kids of all creeds, colors, whatever. I love them the same. It was never like, oh, what the hell are you this or that? Um, but at the end of the day, hate. Hate is never going to bring us forward. And hating me is not going to do anything for you. I can apologize to you till, I'm, till the cars come home and tell you how exactly. privileged I am as a white guy and that whatever. But you don't know my freaking life. You don't know what my mother and my father went through. You don't know what's happened in my life. Just because I got a white skin, now I must be lumped in with everybody who's privileged and has had an easy life and has had a, had a step. Well, yes, I'm grateful that I was born in my family and that I was born in South Africa. And I have had a good life and I'm, and I'm glad about that. And I am sorry that people haven't been able to have that, but I'm about solutions and I'm about working together with yes. you. And I'm with transgender dads, gay people, black people, Chinese people. I don't care who you are. If you're a dad, if you're a man, you want to be better. The only way we're going to work is by coming together and not giving a shit about what color we are and understanding that history sucks. It history sucks that Spartans sucks. got killed at Thermopylae. It sucks that you know, Holocaust. It's terrible. You know, it's, I love the fact that you, you, said, you said history. Now, what's going on now is a type of George Orwellian yeah. 1984 where we erase history because it's inconvenient. However, however, History, his, historians study history to not tell the future. This is what fucking these entitled kids don't realize on the left. Historians study history 
so we can be liberated from it. Yeah, exactly. So we don't have. In, in, in Germany, as you know, there's the Holocaust Museum. Why don't we tear that down? It's such a terrible thing. It's so scary. Why do we? No, it must stand. The people of Israel want those museums to stand because it liberates us from the atrocities of the past. We have apartheid museums in South Africa. They serve as a liberator of history by burning down, tearing down statues, burning books, taking shows offline off, off that had racial connotation, racist connotation. Oh you know, and, and, and that's dangerous because we, 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 we can never forget from whence we've come. We need, there's a reason why African-Americans study slavery. There's a reason why Jews study, you, you know, the Holocaust. There's a reason why South Africans study the apartheid. These things serve as a reminder of how dark things can be. They, and they liberate future generations. So when I see people staring down things of the past, it worries me because it's, it's a type of Maoist revolution in yeah. the sense that exactly. we're going white, to whitewash history. History can't exist. No, history must exist. Yeah. Apartheid museums, Holocaust museums are crucial. They are important. Lest we forget. Lest we forget those who we've lost, you know? And yeah, maybe I went on a bit of a tangent there, but we cannot, <laughs> we cannot ignore atrocities just because they were awful, because that's how I believe breed further atrocities. Mm. If, they, if we could just whitewash history into just nothing happened, there are going to be... <laughs> My friend, I think the past was just a, a, a starter for what would be to come. <laughs> we need to be reminded yeah. of how dark it can be. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just the thing is I, I, I just see the solution in what you talk about and what uh, I've seen other guys and David Goggins and Jocko and discipline and work and work ethic and taking ownership. Because if it would serve someone to be angry with me that I'm a white South African and that would make them a better man, then I would say have at it because you deserve it. Yeah. Yes, we treated you like shit as a race. Not me, not me specifically, but obviously what I represent somehow or you represent or whatever. But that's not going to help. It's not a pill that you can swallow and it's going to yeah. make you suddenly into a successful person because the opportunities are there, man. I know it's not yeah, great are. and you're growing up in a poor family, but there are examples by the thousands, by the millions of people that have come up from being nothing, from being treated like trash to being some of the greatest men that ever lived, Definitely. you know, and, and, and that's what you have to understand. Or well, that's what I hope young guys understand, but because it's entitlement, it's like, give me that, give me that. It's like, no, dude, you can destroy all us white people. You can write, rewrite history as much as you want. Where do you think that's going to leave you and the rest of the world? Do you think it's really going to work? Do you think it's really going to work when you've got a right wing that is as militant, if not more militant than your left wing? And this is the other thing that we're getting on a total tangent, but I don't care because I was talking to my wife. I said, I don't necessarily disagree with what the left are doing. I just know that they're, still, they're, going to store, they're going to stir up a hornet's nest that is going to then be a way worse right. Because what starts to happen is the more you move more left, the more the right moves more right because it becomes more threatening. And so even if the left are completely right with what they're doing and eradicating, it's just going to set them off because they're going to go even more averse to that. 
And what starts happening is the little things. I don't mind. Yes, take down the statues of these guys. But what does it represent the beginning of? What does it show? What, yeah. how, did, how did the Russian Revolution start? How did Maoist China start? How did Pol Pot and the Killing Fields start? How did anything throughout history that was negative in this kind of sense where there was a revolution? And then what happened afterwards? What, what happened? You know how they started. You know how they started and everyone forgets. They started bit by bit. Yeah, exactly. They yeah. started bit by bit. Let's see if we can get away with this. Huh, we got away with that. Let's see if we can get away with this. And so begins the creeping forward into fascism or Nazism or whatever. Which they hate. The bit which, by bit yeah. by bit. Which, which they hate. And, which, uh, and now to try and, to try and bring it back to, you know, discipline and responsibility. Yeah. Okay, so. We're back there. It's true. If, <laughs> we brought if, it back, dude. If, <laughs> yeah, if, if things escalate by not drawing a line in the sand like enough is enough okay right here today whew, that line is in the sand i will not entertain weakness in myself you have now made a stand that is equal to the world after world war ii saying this will never happen again this genocide it's a line in the sand and we need to constantly draw lines in the sand of our life because if we don't, we will get away with more and more bullshit. Mm, we tell ourselves. Exactly, yeah. And you know, on, on, on Hitler's first speech, I promise you, I don't know for a fact, but I, I can guarantee that on his first speech, he didn't say burn the Jews, no. not his first speech. He saw what he could get away with on multiple speeches. And eventually it was just a tirade of, evil yeah so why not stop the fucking tirade of evil from happening in your own life as a man draw that line in the sand and say no today i'll make the change today i will not put up with weakness poison food poisoning my body i will not put up with allowing my wife to carry the slack because i haven't been man enough and i will say it to burden the load it's drawing lines in the sand. People don't want to do that shit. Yeah. Have I brought it? Have I brought it back? You have, but I know. But the thing is, it's, but it's all related, though, Terence. Because at the end of the day, it's the exact same thing as what you said there. It's like what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I don't have a problem with all this, like this, these things that people are angry with. You know, if you want to be angry with it, I'd say yes. Okay, these things should be. There should be some negative feelings about them, and there should be this opportunities created for everybody. I really believe but in Monday equal opportunity. But Monday morning's coming yeah. to do the work. But exactly. But that's what I'm trying to say. And if, <laughs> if, if that's not helping you, then you've got to go and look at, like, like you said, is, these, this, is your bed made? Is your house in order? Have you done the workout? Is your financials good? Are you working to improve your life situation? Because while you're on the street doing whatever, pulling down a statue, is that, time, is that helping you to move yourself yeah. forward? Or actually, are you actually killing your own opportunity? Because you, how little time do we have? I'm 42 now. How much time have well, I wasted being angry not on the scale of racism, but being angry with a colleague or being angry with a boss or being angry with a girlfriend or being angry with my kids. And I'm telling you, none, none of that ever motivated me to be better. And I wanted to end no. this by maybe reading what you wrote because I thought it was so brilliant, dude. So because I want everyone pleasure. to hear this because this is exactly what it should be. It doesn't matter. You can be angry. You can, you can think that things are terrible or as long as, it, as long as it doesn't distract you from the following things, which is 
How clean is your home? Have you swept and mopped the floors? Have you made your bed this Friday morning? Have you done last night's dishes? Have you repaired that which is broken? What about your financial house? Have you paid your bills and honored your debts? Are you fiscally disciplined or do you live, up, live it up on credit? How is your physicality, vitality, capability? How is your ability to act? Are you moving and performing to the very best of your potential? Are you in any sort of physical pain? What about your mental and emotional health? Have you processed past hurts and traumas? Have you identified the areas in which yourself, uh, you've self-sabotaged? What about addiction? Anything from porn to sugar? Finally, how are your relationships and friendships? Mutually beneficial or reciprocal or toxic, riddled with resentments, jealousies, and animosity. Try changing the burnt-out light bulb in your basement before changing the world. Build yourself up along with those in your community. Disabuse yourself from the notion that behaving recklessly and irresponsibly while waiting, while waiting and wishing for the world to burn, break down is anything more than baseline self-pity and infantile indulgence. That's it. You know, in the Bible, it does say, I'm going to misquote this, Flee from childish, childish indulgences. Flee from them. And mm. I'm not religious, but I like that. Flee like fuck from childish indulgences and run like the wind to masculine responsibilities. That's it. Yeah, and self-control and, and fighting <laughs> those demons within yourself. I think we've got way more inside of us I can spend my whole life fighting what's inside of me without having to fight anybody on the outside. And I think until we've waged war on ourselves to go and wage war at the rest of the world and our little place in it and how we haven't been fortunate like this or haven't been that. And I'm not saying this from a perspective of someone who's, you know, maybe on the outside, you think it's just been a cakewalk. You know, it hasn't been of a course. cakewalk. There's definitely demons that I have to face. And I just encourage dads who are listening to men, encourage other guys to step up like that. Let's, let's work together. Let's be better. And, uh, and let's start changing things for the positive. Because I really, like I said to David Rutherford the other day, I said, bro, we are so close to really having a world that is, especially in the West, you know, I can't talk for the East and that type of stuff that still needs to make progress. But I really think if we could work together, we're really on the brink of an amazing existence. Or, or, or alternatively, if we don't have patience and we don't have the ability to come and sit at a table and have a discussion, even though you disagree with me, even though you are from a different culture or a different race and maybe you're angry with what my ancestors did that you could sit down at the table and have a normal conversation with me where we go, what are facts? What is just emotion? And how can we work together to produce yeah. a world which is worthy of our children? And like our children are growing up in a world they don't choose. And we as adults are setting the tone for our attitudes towards other people, our attitudes towards groups of people, and then our attitudes with ourselves and towards them. And how essential is it for us as dads and as men to realize that we need to stop being selfish and egotistical and realize we're creating this world for, for the children. And are we going to grow them, raise them with discipline and respect while we are raging war with everybody and everything and sundry mm-hmm. and creating chaos all the time? You know, we need to start bringing as men is bringing order to the chaos and bring it into some sort of discipline and some sort of way that works for everybody i'm not saying there hasn't been things wrong with the patriarchy and the way that men have treated women the way that white men have treated um, people of different races yes it's terrible but i do think that we are moving in a way where we are and you and you talk about it like guys like brandon and bert and ryan and so many men encouraging other men to really step up and make a wonderful world for women and children and other people that's it we know before we draw a line in the sand, on a beach we've never walked on, 
let's draw a line in the sand at our feet today in our lives, you know? Yeah. Yeah, bro. How did you, before we get off, how did you get to actually connect with uh, Brandon and Bert and all these dudes, man? I was very kindly invited to last year's Summer Strong 12. Ah, oh, cool. Uh, R- R- Rudy Reyes invited me. Oh, so really? I was a guest, of, a guest of his, and it was pretty cool. And you, it's wild. You, you the Soronix HQ is yeah. hard to explain. It is, in real life, it is, it's like going to the Vatican City of Strength. No, really, it, it's kind of like that. It is big and huge. And I walked in the door and there's Rudy Reyes and Bert and Brandon and all these crazy cats that I've seen online for years. And, and that was on the Thursday before the official start on Friday. And they all embraced me like a brother. And yes, Bert's very busy on that weekend, you can imagine. So I didn't really have time, nor did I expect to engage with them on a deep, deep personal level. And, and so was Brandon. I didn't know Brandon that, that well at the time. But that's how I met them and I engaged with them. And subsequently, I've become very good friends with, with Brandon. We, we've really connected thereafter and we, and we work together and we have some projects planned later down the line. And I do, I do consider the, the Soranex community that uh, they've embraced me like a brother. They, they truly have. And I met Richard Pop Soren. What a gentleman of a man. Bert's father, goodness me, just what uh, in his, in his, like at his presence, just being around him. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, this, this is a gentleman who embodies yeah. the American story of, of, of a family-built business. It's just, it's that iconic American ideal of what a man can achieve when he sets his mind to it with his own two hands. Hmm. And it was just, it, it really was quite a, like a spiritual experience for me, <laughs> just to be around so many people who just want the betterment of other people and themselves, yeah. obviously. The advancement an upliftment of, of, and there were just a whole mixed bag of races there, which was fantastic because in strength, all is equal in, in performance, all is equal, you know? And, and I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. And I was, everybody was just wanted to know my story and my history and yeah, I can't wait to go yeah. back. Yeah, I know. I said to Brandon, I want to come, but I, 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 I said, I probably feel very intimidated because I'm like the least of the strength. I mean, I'm more the triathlete build, definitely done nah, triathlon, this stuff, a whole... bit surfer. And I check these guys and I'm like, yes, these guys are beasts, man. I can't imagine walking <laughs> in. There's going to be a totally different experience, but <laughs> no, uh, it's all shapes and sizes. Yeah, no, but I agree with you. The guys just the, the atmosphere and of them just when I spoke to them both, you know, Bert and, and Brandon, just a different kind of vibe a humble vibe a vibe of really wanting the best for other people and putting in the time and the effort and and this is the valuable thing about men and when you see when men are allowed to be who they are and have put in the effort and and those kind of things that what you can become and how positive it is for the world and i think that hopefully those lights keep shining bright and you and i can do the same thing you know i'm not there yet i know it's a long process to becoming disciplined and to becoming someone that 
leaves the ego behind and is able to talk from a heart that just wants the best for other people. But I know that when we as men develop in that way into our trueness, our true essence as men, uh, then it's a beautiful thing. And it does definitely have a positive impact on everybody. And I think that's the key, right? That's the key is to having more people like that. And I think that hopefully the world will start to see more of masculinity in its, in its fullness, in its, in its, in its right form and go like, hang on. Yes. This is something that's actually great for us as people. This is something that's great for society. So it's like, as you said, it but at the Soronex, like all races, all kind of guys, you know, it doesn't matter where they're from and, and we are equal. And I think that people get the wrong impression. It's like what you and I have said today. I said to Rutherford, we have to do like disclaimers the whole time. So every time I say something, I go, well, slavery and racism was terrible, but this, yes. whereas, yeah, but pe people look at guys with beards and muscles that are white and go, you know, and, and that's the crazy we, thing. <laughs> I look, in closing, I do look forward to a day and age when we no longer feel the need to state the obvious. Yeah. <laughs> now, now think about that. Think about the stating of the obvious, which has been going on in America. I'm not going to say it, but these catchphrases that are obvious, yeah. we don't need to say, I look forward to a world where we don't need to say that which is obvious, that which we all believe in, that which we all will fundamentally live and die to protect. Mm. I'll just, yeah, leave it with that. Terence, bro, thanks, man. I really appreciate your time and getting into this. We got into it. Like we, we got onto strength. I think it all, it all comes together in the discipline. I think that's it. The message is ownership, it does. ownership, discipline, bro. Take, take ownership of your life, get disciplined, and then try and make a difference in other people's lives in the world. Yeah. But first, get ourselves together. Bro, hopefully I see you, man, when I come there. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. I absolutely loved engaging and connecting with you. And uh, I hope, that we've inspired men to draw the line in the sand and seek out responsibilities that they may have neglected. Yeah, bro, just before you go, um, where can people get hold of you and follow you and these, this kind of stuff? Mitchell Strength on Instagram and mitchellstrength.me is my website, but the Instagram page is where everything happens, my, my writing, my training and nutrition. Um, I'm very active on Instagram. It's, it's the, my primary avenue through which I, I share my content and engage with, with like-minded folk. So, yeah, that's where I am, Mitchell Strength. Cool. I hope that everybody that's listening and also on my Instagram <laughs> uh, get on following you because I think it's really worth it, bro. Ciao, brother. Brother. So that wraps up my conversation with Terence. Really hope you guys enjoyed that. And I'm sure you got something out of that that you can put into action immediately. I think that Terence really shows us that uh, when you become more disciplined, you become committed and you're ready to take ownership of all areas of your life, you really see that uh, putting a few boundaries and maybe drawing a few lines in the sand actually equals greater freedom and greater life satisfaction. I think if you follow Terence, go check him out on Instagram. I think you'll definitely see that uh, in practice. Uh, really stoked that you guys are on this journey with me. Thanks so much for your support. Please guys, share this podcast with whoever you are um, in touch with. Uh, dads out there, I think we need to spread this word. I think it's very obvious that... Um, dad stepping up is really important in these times especially so guys remember to keep developing that strong mind that strong body and that strong character so you can lead more effectively love more actively and leave that legacy and so until next time stay dad strong <laughs>